Yeah, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing right now in the room. We thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for, um, as Pastor Maddie said, but I, you were praying through him, Lord, this season of hope. Hallelujah. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I take you old school real quick? Okay, okay. Derek gave me a let's go. Forrest Gump. <laughs> Life is like. Uh-huh. Okay, you did good on that one. What about this one? Doris Day. Ooh, Doris Day saying, Sarah, Sarah." Wow, okay, 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 okay. Now, you can understand, you can understand where Forrest and Doris are coming from, can't you? Y'all, if somebody's with me this morning, I feel it. <laughs> You can understand where they might be coming from, right? Because there are some things in life that you just can't control. Ooh, y'all are giving me amens early. This is going to be good. Though it's true, we can't control everything. That doesn't mean taking a lackadaisical approach to your life in God. A victim mindset, even when you're victimized, approach to, approach to your life. Taking a defeatist view. Is the way though. It's not the way. You have to take the farmer's way. The farmer's way. You have to take the farmer's way in this mess of rising energy costs, rising inflation, a war, a pandemic or endemic, depending on what your view is. That's not even to mention what's happening in your own home, in your own life, in your own business, in your own heart. You have to take the farmer's way. We sang this morning, um, all of my life, in every season, in every season, regardless of what's going on, I bring praise. I have a reason to worship. I have a reason to sing, and it's because, God, you are who you say you are. You have to do your life like a farmer. Your Bible uses agricultural terms to help you understand spiritual realities. When your Bible deals with you as a farmer, it's knowledge you need to help you understand identity, purpose, function, and strategy in God's great kingdom. The farmer, he don't take a lackadaisical approach, Ebonics intended. No, 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 no. He is more deliberate. He is more intentional. He knows that seeds must be sown. He knows what ground they must be sown in. He knows how to protect the seed from the weeds and the elements. He knows when to sow the seed. He knows how to do the groundwork to prepare the ground for the best harvest. He knows that there will be wars and rumors of wars. He knows to not let himself be deceived or derailed. He knows that God is not mocked. What you sow, you reap. He can't control the outcomes, but he knows what role, what part his hands must play. He knows that the harvest is on its way. Somebody say harvest is on the way. 
I pray that your hands, your decisions have gotten better, more eternal in perspective, which makes you more effective in everyday life. As we've shared these messages, if you've missed any of those, I encourage you to get them. They're all there for you on YouTube and available in today's description notes for quick reference. We've dealt with time, talent, talk, and now for our final tea in our series. Don't like your harvest, change your seed. We look at treasure. We look at treasure. When we use the word treasure for this series, or when you hear us say every Sunday morning, thank you for partnering with God's mission using your time, talents, and treasure, we are referencing a statement that Jesus made. Jesus said, do not Lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you use your wealth on shows what you value or what you don't. And if you're asking, based off what Jesus just said to us, how do I do that? How do I store up treasure in heaven? We store up treasure in heaven. We make decisions. We sow seeds on earth that benefit God's kingdom. For example, when you give financially to God's mission at the bridge, you're storing up treasure in heaven. Did you know that? Some of you did. It's a wise move to have your retirement plan on earth. And it's a wise move to have a plan for laying up treasure in heaven. Both are important. Can I get another amen right there? I've been thinking about this. And there's situations for everything. But all God's children, all God's children want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful one. You with me? You with me? This oh oh okay. I gotta stay focused. Oh, something's gonna pop off in here in a minute. Ooh, every Christian wants to stand at the judgment seat of Christ, that moment of giving account of our lives, whether good or bad, and hear the Lord say, "Well done, good and faithful." And although Christians, or as we like to say around here to give a clear description, Jesus followers, although Jesus followers want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful one, and to receive additional rewards and promotion and ruling and reigning with Christ in the age to come, sadly, regrettably, not all Christians will hear well done, good and faithful one. Some Christians will experience loss of rewards at the judgment seat instead. That's why it reads as weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is describing the sense of regret in the passage we're about to read that someone has for not taking a good stewardship over their life and recognizing, I lost what I should have been winning. What could stop God's children, Jesus' followers, Christians, from hearing, well done, good and faithful one? What could stop that? Short answer. Money management. Money management. Did you know that Jesus said one of the areas we will give an account for is the decisions, the seeds we sow for the money or wealth he's entrusted to us to manage? 
Jesus said something super strong to his people, following him then and to all of us who follow him now. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Wow. Jesus. What you talking about hate for Jesus? That strong son of God? What's up? Jesus is talking in an exaggerative way because it's a really big deal. He says things like, to follow him, you have to hate father and mother. Because he's making the point that he deserves first place without contest. As we were singing this morning, that he deserves all. You all know he doesn't want us to hate. Y'all know that, right? Come on, Bridge Church, help me out. Because he tells us to honor our father and our mother. Jesus, in both of those cases, is really trying to make his point clear about his distinctive and unique worth. Mismanagement of money, wealth is one of the things that could stop a Christian from hearing well done, good and faithful. Jesus said to his peeps then and he says to his peeps now that how money is handled can be a real problem for people, for Christians. Jesus said money competes with God as money, as as master. Money competes with God as master. Let that sink in. Jesus didn't say that Satan, the devil, he didn't say that Satan or the devil competes with with Jesus. He said money. He said money. That's what Jesus, that's what Jesus said. We got to really think about this. We got to really think about this because we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful one. That's what we want to hear him say. That's what he wants to say. And that's one of the ways Holy Spirit is working in your life right now. Holy Spirit is working to help you love God with all that you are. Helping you to love people, love God, love yourself. Does anybody else want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful? Yeah. And he wants to say it to us. I want to call today's message four wealth tips. To help you hear, well done, good and faithful one. Are you with me this morning? Four wealth tips to help you hear, well done, good and faithful one. Now, in the chat, y'all can just put a fire emoji because that's a long title. It's a long one. Jesus makes that statement, well done, good and faithful one, in a parable story that he tells that we're about to read together. Jesus wanted his people to understand how to bring his kingdom here on earth as it dealt with urgency, management, in light of when we would meet Jesus without knowing when we would either pass away or Jesus would return. Let's pray into this. Let's pray before we go any further. Holy Spirit, stir your word within us. Call up the gardener and the farmer so that our light shine because of the seeds we sow, the decisions 
we make because we're looking at you and your interest, your heart, your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I've read in an online article published by Tithely, that's an app similar to our PushPay app, that there are over 2,000 scriptures about money, tithing in the Bible, and possessions. That's twice as many Bible verses about money than faith and prayer combined. I heard one wow. Anybody else hear a wow in there? Your Bible talks so much about money. 16 out of 38 of Jesus' parables deal with money and possessions. Nearly 25% of Jesus' words in the New Testament deal with biblical stewardship. One out of 10 verses in the Gospels deals with money. Yeah. Before we read the parable story Jesus tells that will help you here, well done, good and faithful, I want you to know Jesus uses a word with a different meaning than we use it today. The word he uses in this parable story is called talent. He's literally talking about money or wealth when he uses the word talent. The listeners, the, his followers of the day, when they heard him saying this, they knew that talent meant money. For us, it means skills, capacity, ability, that thing. But as we're reading this text in Matthew 25, know that when Jesus says talents, he's talking about currency. He's talking about money. Let's read it together. Matthew 25, 14 through 30, 30 reads as follows. This is Jesus talking. He says, for it will be... Like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But... He who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. 
then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The way your pastor reads this, I mentioned it earlier, but I want to be super clear. This is not referring to salvation. This is referring to loss and reward. So somebody did not mismanage their life and then go to hell. Are we on the same page? Okay. So with that, can I give you a wealth tip number one? (laughs) I want to give you wealth tip number one for hearing well done, good and faithful one by looking at verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Notice in your text that we are entrusted with something that belongs to another. Okay, so here's my tip. Call it owner, but think manager. Okay, okay, repeat after me. Call it owner, but think manager. Let me refresh you real quick. Do we have that faithful manage steward card? Do we have that? If so, I want to define that for you. Because throughout your Bible, Genesis to Revelation, this idea of responsibility and shared responsibility with God, co-responsibility, co-heir, co-laboring, all this stuff, is, you'll see it wrapped up in these words. What does a steward do? What does it mean to be faithful in Bible language? What does it mean to manage? It means to protect and expand. Protect it and expand the assets of another on his behalf. If someone is a good steward, if they're a good manager, if they are faithful, it's because they took what was given to them, they protected it, and then they worked that thing and they did something with it. That is what it means to be faithful. Faithful don't mean you just show up and you don't have anything to show for just showing up. That's how we use the word. Well, that person is faithful. Bible faithful, they're like they just show up. I won't be able to replace the word owner from your vocabulary. I won't be able to replace that word owner from your vocabulary because we live in America. America. America, great capitalist society. And the idea of of ownership is deeply embedded into our fabric. It's deeply embedded. But what I can do is get you the truth about that word owner to help you hear well done, good and faithful one. To help you hear well done, good and faithful one. Firstly, firstly, your Bible speaks of God being the owner of everything. God, owner, all. That's how, that's how the Bible talks about it. Exodus 19 and 5 says, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. Job 41 and 11, God is saying to Job, who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. God had to have a conversation with Job. 
Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. When you relate to God as owner, when you relate to God as owner, your peace and joy levels, they go up. Your self-control, your kindness, your patience, your goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all those things go way up when you relate to God as being the owner. Those panic attacks will go away. That high blood pressure will go down. That overwhelm will go away in Jesus' name. His peace will come because you've changed your relationship to wealth manager and not wealth owner. All this stuff, this life is borrowed. It's borrowed. Those unnecessary medications go bye-bye when you see God as owner and yourself as being entrusted. Your sense of gratitude goes way up because you say, I get to be here for a little while and do some cool stuff with you and people. What a privilege it is that I get to be on the planet for a little while. Oh, I'm just here for a second. Lord, help me make it count. Your gratitude starts going up when you see that God, he's the owner. He's the owner. Um, I wish more people in the world knew God was the owner. I think of the high-profile people in the world we've seen over the years who seemed on the surface to have it all going on, and then you get that news report that they've committed suicide. When you have God's peace, and I say this with all compassion, when you have God's peace, you don't commit suicide. When you have God's peace, there are so many bad decisions you avoid. I'm going to walk in testimony. <laughs> You have a part to play in this life, but you don't do the heavy lifting. You're not the owner. God does the heavy lifting. When you let God be God, when you let God be owner and you trust him, get ready for the increase of love and joy and peace and patience as it deals with you dealing, managing money or wealth. Oh, this is a dream. This is a cry. Oh, that when we're dealing with money, Lord, I want to experience you. I don't want to experience all that tension and all that stress and all that stuff. Throughout the course of this pandemic, um, as a pastor, um, people have been saying, oh, man, you seem like you're doing well, this, that, or the other. And, 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 and there's truth of that. And so many variables go, go into that. Um, but the reason why people are saying that, obviously, as you all know, is that we've had people move out of state. We have um, some people who, you know, haven't returned in person or online. And we, have ex and we have experienced, over the course of this pandemic, a decrease in our giving. When you're a small church like ours, you feel everything more intensely. People have asked, how have you handled it? The stress. And I tell them that the church belongs to God. I believe that. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> Y'all, if I didn't believe it, I'd be pulling my hair out. <laughs> I'd be pulling my hair out. Um, some of you have seen, but I know I have, I've seen churches get shut down in the pandemic, but not ours. We're trusting God, God far past survival. We're expecting God to thrive. We got big things to do and making more disciples in Jesus' name. So I want to encourage you to relate with God as owner. 
I want to encourage you, like he said, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Lighten up. Another way to say, don't take yourself so seriously. That's what part of, uh, I'm I'm not digging, I'm just laying it out. Capitalist pride, I'm the owner. If it's to me, it's up to me. And then it's like, I can't breathe. I choke in myself because of a mentality. Because misinformation. And then I can't treat people how I want to treat them because I'm so stressed out. Because if it's up to me, if, if it's, it's to be, I messed up the expression. <laughs> but if it's to be, it's up to me. Well, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. If you are the owner in that unhealthy sense, you might be on a really dangerous road. So stay responsible, stay faithful, but don't be the owner. Don't be the owner. You can call it owner for now if you want to, Mr. or Ms. American. Just understand it's, it's actually manager in God's kingdom. Y'all with me? Can I give you wealth tip number two? Wealth tip number two to help you hear well done, good, and faithful one. Tip number two, work this principle. You can have more of what you manage well. You can have more of what you manage well. Verse 21 said, you have been faithful over a little. The master speaking to the entrusted servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Remember that you can have more of what you manage well. Just say this, say this with me. I can have more of what I manage well. Okay, hear me, hear me on this. Making decisions, I think it's easy. Uh, making, dis- making decisions is easy. Making money is easy. Making that stuff, making it easy. L- listen, really catch it. Managing wealth is a different skill set. Managing anything, but in this case, wealth is a different skill set. How, I don't know how, how you guys uh, connect with different people, but how many people can you think of make bank and don't have nothing to show for it? <laughs> make bank. Make, they make good money. And, and, and because managing is a different skill set, they don't have nothing to show for it. Somebody said, ouch, amen. Because I literally wrote in my notes, if you can't say amen, say, ouch, ooh, thank you, Lord. (laughs) So then what we can do is if you're one of these folks and, you know, sometimes we get sloppy with the words. You can pull back certain words. We say, oh, man, you know, the rich get richer and rich people are corrupt and rich people. And I want to submit to you. There might be some, a few rich people who are corrupt, but maybe these rich folks have good managing skills. I would lean that direction. Either they have connected with some folks who know how to manage wealth well, or they themselves manage wealth well, wealth well and the rich keep getting richer. God bless them. You got their management skills. But you can have more of what you 
manage well. Okay, y'all are with me, right? Because that, that one thing to send you off and be like, I got some homework to do. I got some homework to do. Management requires way more attention and diligence and vigilance. Vigilance, excuse me. Remember the farmer. Think of all the things the farmer has to do in order to make sure that harvest is set up just right. Management is tedious. It's detailed. But it's worth it because the Lord is worthy. Amen is right. Amen is right. When you manage wealth well, expect all kinds of favor. When you manage wealth well, when you manage wealth well, expect all kinds of favor. Check out what Psalm 84, 11, and 12 says. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Man, it's good. Can I give you wealth tip number three? Okay, okay. I'm pacing myself, okay? Pacing myself here. Use giving goals to have fun. That's wealth tip number three. Use giving goals to have fun. Verse 27 said, Jesus, or the master, but who's represented by Jesus, Jesus is telling the story, and he says to the servant, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Jesus is expecting more. He's expecting more. And guy number three, who buried this money in the ground, his seemingly lack of ambition in making more of what he had been entrusted with, it wasn't cool with Jesus. Jesus said to him, the least you could have done was get some interest on it because Jesus expects fruitful management with what he's entrusted to us. Guy number three, throwing this out there for you. Guy number three didn't have any goals for growth. Why? Because he was so afraid. He was so afraid. Fear keeps you from having fun in your partnership. Enjoying the entrustment. It's a privilege to be entrusted as much as it is serious. Somebody say it's fun. When you leave here today, if you parked in the Hammond parking lot right over here, you're going to notice a basketball goal and a backboard without a basketball hoop for the ball to go in. Okay? Sounds ridiculous, right? Because it is. A backboard without a basket hoop is no fun. (laughs) No fun. When you shoot the ball, you need a basket hoop to keep it fun, to keep it engaging and to keep count. Managing wealth without a goal is no fun. One of the things you can do is make a giving goal for your entrusted wealth. Without a goal, it's hard to get started. Without a goal, it's hard to get started and near impossible to gain momentum. Let me give you a not-so-positive real-time illustration real quick. Some, someone who shall remain anonymous reached out this year and, and shared, hey, I didn't get my giving statement for 2021. And the reason they didn't get a giving statement was because they didn't give <laughs> in 2021. But just so you know, 
That's just the pandemic reality. That's, 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 that's what I think. Zero judgment. Zero judgment. As y'all know, zero. They have forgotten to give. I know they love Jesus. They love Bridge. They're wonderful people. But they forgot to give. The pandemic and life was crazy for people's habits and follow through. You, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? We're not throwing those stones at them, right? Uh-uh, no, no, no. They didn't have a giving goal for their wealth. I'm sure of it. They didn't have no giving goal. They had goals in other areas because when they achieved those other goals, they let people know through social media. But they didn't have no giving goals. Okay, now a positive illustration. There's a small group of people at Bridge who have a giving goal. They give at least 10% of their income to God's mission at the Bridge every time they receive income. Isn't that great? I believe 10% of your income is a good, somebody say, starting starting place of financial generosity and management with God if you're looking for a place to start. If you're like, well, what kind of goal would I have? Whatever. But you can start wherever you need to based on your conversations with God and his word. The important thing is to not get lost in the non-decision. Non-decision. Non-decisions are decisions. I bet the guy thought that by not doing anything with what he had been entrusted, I bet he thought he was safe. But he learned opposite. A non-decision is a decision. And for him, it didn't go how he thought it would. It was a poor decision. Okay, we're doing good. Can I give you one more? We're going to get to all four of them today. Boy, you know, y'all are praying for me. I feel it. Tip number four. Get good at talking about money. Yes. Somebody's helping me. Yes, yes, yes. I think the guy who hid his master's money in the ground went around singing his own version of, we don't talk about money, money, no. We don't talk about money. (laughs) Come on, Encanto. Anybody seen it? (laughs) (laughs) some of us have seen it way too many times (laughs) and the script that's what happens when you have five kids you see you see like you guys want to watch Encanto okay (laughs) and the scripture tells us why he didn't talk about money the scripture tells us why he didn't talk about money basically he had bad information about the master verse 24 said I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed verse 25 it tells us he was afraid and went and hid the money in the ground Now, the other two, one is entrusted with five and two, entrusted with the master's money, they didn't share that view. They they increased. But all three knew that the master would return and expect a conversation, a money talk, if you will, of what was done. Verse 19 said like this. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. They basically had a business meeting in the story. Some people find it difficult to talk about money, but wealth management is a big part of life. Some people find it difficult to talk about money, but your Bible talks about money more than faith and prayer combined. Easy for the Bible and still difficult for some of us to discuss. But let me assure you, as you grow in spiritual maturity, the Lord will heal you. As you grow in spiritual maturity, the Lord will heal you. And it will be easy to talk about money. But it is a grace 
process. Somebody say process. Oh, yeah, remove that pressure. It's not going to just happen like that. It's not just going to happen like that. But it's going to happen in a grace process over some time as healing comes and understanding comes. Although money is amoral, meaning it is neutral, it is still a personal matter because it magnifies what's in your heart. This guy was afraid. So rather than work past his fears, he made a personal fearful decision to hide the money in the ground. The money hidden in the ground was a magnifier of the man's fears. He basically did nothing. Oh. Because this is Bridge and Bridge loves movies, I'm going to do this like this. Let's consider this guy's origin story. You guys know about an origin story? An origin story is, uh, tells you about a person's upbringing and, and helps us understand why we are seeing them behave the way they are in a certain moment. You can think backstory. Let's get the backstory. Now, mind you, this is a parable story that Jesus told. So we're just having some fun with it here because uh, we like some movies, okay? So here's my take. Here's my possible submission here on this guy's origin story who hid this money in the ground. This guy grew up in a home where they didn't teach him about financial wealth. They taught him to be honest, but not about the skills needed to win in wealth management. The parents didn't entrust him with forming and achieving financial goals. They didn't say, this is how you set a goal, and now we're going to supervise, and we're going to watch you and walk with you and coach you along the way. He didn't get that. His parents didn't even talk about money around him. He had no idea how much money his parents brought in financially. He had no idea how to save. He had no idea of what it took to run a family. When his relatives or neighbors would come by, he might hear a mention of a financial detail or two. But as soon as they left, that's pretty much all the mention he would hear about finances. His parents didn't have giving goals to the temple. He didn't know that he could have asked someone at Temple about finances or about who God was or how empowering and encouraging God is. That he gives you wealth to establish his covenant. There's somebody he should have been able to talk to. He didn't know that when God made Adam and Eve and put them in a garden, it was for management with God. By the time this guy got married... His financial literacy was little more than what he had received at home, which basically meant he was financially illiterate. He had no clue of how to talk about finances with his wife. By the time they have their first kid, it looks like the cycle starts all over again. This guy gets a job with this master, deciding to entrust him with a big management responsibility. Instead of learning how to talk about the entrustment and getting the knowledge he needs, he gets afraid and plays it so safe That he's regarded as lazy. And that's when we meet him. How's that for an origin story? (laughs) If it's hard for you to talk about money, then you need to know why it is hard for you. And you need to make a plan to check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) Hallelujah. This guy knew he was going to have to give an account. He was literally going to have to speak with the master about how he handled what was entrusted. But this guy didn't seem to have conversations along the way. 
He knew he was going to have to give an account. And he has all this time, and he's not talking to nobody. That's weird. That's weird. Somebody say process. process. Getting good at talking about money is a process. The big event will be talking with Jesus at the judgment seat. And we know his heart toward us as he wants to tell us, well done, good and faithful. But part of the process needs to be about getting good at talking about money today. Your next step might be having a prayer moment with Jesus. It might be journaling. It might be setting an appointment to talk with somebody tomorrow. Not talking about wealth along the way resulted in serious loss for him. Maybe you're in a horrible financial state right now. And you don't know how to start a conversation with yourself or somebody else. I want to encourage you with a book that I read years ago. I think it's so great. And it's by an author named Jim Collins. He wrote a book called Good to Great where he shares an idea called the Stockdale Paradox. Stockdale Paradox. Any business readers in the room? Yeah, I got a few. A paradox is an idea that seems wrong at first, but turns out to be true. It's like a contradiction. But it's named after Admiral James Stockdale, an American naval officer who was held captive for seven and a half years during the Vietnam War and survived imprisonment in large part because he held beliefs of optimism about the future, while simultaneously acknowledging the current reality of the desperate situation in which he found himself. This contradictory tension enabled him and his followers to emerge from their situation not just unbroken, but stronger. The Stockdale Paradox goes like this. You must maintain unwavering faith that you can and will prevail in the end regardless of the difficulties and at the same time have the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality whatever they might be so I charge you confront the brutal facts of your reality and talk to qualified people about the brutal facts somebody say talk about it and keep unwavering faith that the one who wants to hear you, the one who wants to say to you, well done, good and faithful. He's working by his spirit to bring you into financial management for your joy and his pleasure. Encourage you, charge you, learn about basic investment strategies, learn about crypto, learn about real estate, learn how to talk to your kids about money, learn how to disciple others in managing wealth. And by all means, get good at talking about money get good at talking about money now before you talk about it with the lord at the judgment seat amen, amen. as i come to a close know that the goal is the relationship with god who you become in that relationship as you manage what god has entrusted to you it's not singularly about what is produced please don't make that mistake because that's called idolatry if you can manage all the money in the world but don't hear well done, good, and faithful one, you lose. If you can manage all the money or wealth in the world and you hear well done, good, and faithful one from Jesus, you win eternally big. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to invite you to stand here. I think that's good enough for today. Come on. Go on and stand up. I want to tell you, Jesus said, that there's true riches he wants to entrust to us. According to Jesus, money and wealth is not the true riches. 
Money and wealth management is only the beginning. It's like a tester of sorts. Faithful with money, you can be faithful with other wonderful partnership opportunities that he has reserved for the faithful. If you never get your financial life together, God loves you. If you never get a, give a cent to store up treasure in heaven, God loves you. Know this, God is looking for those who will worship him with their money management so that his kingdom come and his will is done. He wants to see his people overcoming evil with good. Remember these four tips to help you hear well done, good and faithful one. Y'all repeat after me. Call it owner, but think manager. Work this principle. You can have more of what you manage well. Use giving goals to have fun. Get good at talking about money. Holly!